We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Prize Picks, the best and easiest way to use daily fantasy. Be sure to check them out at the link, uh, prizepicks.com slash guilty, code guilty. Uh, again, Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Pi- Prize Picks. Here to dive more into the beginning of the Jim Harbaugh era. My name is Steven, and I am the host. And joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex is back on the podcast tonight. He did a great interview uh, about why the Chargers should hire Jim Harbaugh like four hours right before they <laughs> hire Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but in all seriousness, it was it was a great conversation. So please go check that out. Alex, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Um, if you're using prize picks, just you know, don't end up in the Kayshawn Bout situation. That's you know, make sure make sure you're happy with uh, your bets and don't 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 lay too much on the line. But yeah, I am uh, thrilled to be here uh, and talk about Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, so we are. I still kind of can't believe that happened. Um, I, you know, after the years of Brandon Staley and Anthony Lynn, the fact that the Chargers actually went all out and you know got a coach of that caliber is uh, is cool. Uh, yeah, very cool for sure. We had a great time talking about our instant reactions uh, last night. We'll give Alex some, uh, a chance to give his reaction as well. Um, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. No handstands. I got that all out of the way. I'm sore. I'll be icing and taking Advil <laughs> for throughout the remainder of the show. But I'm I'm here. Hey, you're not you're not there yet. You, you you're you're still limber and flexible. You you just gotta you know practice a little bit more. Yes, the practice makes better, less sore, I guess. And some other former cheerleader said your form was ten out of ten. So there you go. That's a lie. But I appreciate the appreciate the support there. It was like a two out of ten. So but you know I'll take it. Yeah. That's yeah, all good. So, um, like I said, uh, we're diving into the details today. We we didn't really talk much about like the process of how this all came to be and what exactly this could mean, you know, for you know the more specific senses of the Chargers franchise. We'll dive into some of that, as well as the GM search and the way that Jim Harbaugh will accumulate his coaching staff. So, gonna be a fun conversation today. Um, that being said, Alex, you did not have the opportunity on the podcast to give an initial reaction here. We've had we've all had 24 plus hours to digest the news. Um, what are your thoughts as we have uh, started the Jim Harbaugh Chargers era? Yeah, I still, like I said, kind of can't believe that happened and still don't really believe that the Chargers kind of decided to restructure their organization this way and and jim harbaugh talked about in his quote yesterday uh building infrastructure right and and what he's going to do with this coaching staff but also laying the groundwork for winning for 
you know, for years to come. Um, for so long, we've had this setup, whether it's Telesco and then the coach under him. Um, and that's just how the structure has been, you know, for years. But for the Chargers to go out there, hire, you know, this kind of CEO head coach and Jim Harbaugh and then decide to build out everything from there. It's a creative kind of inventive new direction. And I think other candidates could have gotten it done. I would have been fine with Ben Johnson. I would have been fine with Mike Vrabel. But doing this in in the way that they did, um, and I'll be honest, in December when the reports started coming out, like, I didn't believe it, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if any of us believed it either. It was just like, all right, here he's grifting for another Michigan contract. And no, he actually wanted to come back you know, end Michigan the right way and then, you know, uh, come back to the NFL and try for another chance at that Super Bowl. And, you know, uh, I, I don't think Harbaugh would have taken this opportunity if the Chargers weren't serious about it. And I, I don't think the Chargers, you know, kind of would have inquired as much into Harbaugh as they did if they didn't know he was also very serious about this. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and the reports were that, you know, this was the one opportunity Harbaugh was looking for which you know for the Chargers to be in that position as a for for us as as fans and for them as the team uh it's very cool so yeah I'm just kind of curious to kind of see where this thing goes at this point uh you know in terms of we'll get into the specific staff hires and and where things could go from here but um no this is establishing a new direction for the franchise and yeah no he was definitely one of my top hires that I wanted and no, you hated him from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wanted that Ben Johnson guy. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Harbaugh is, is really cool. And yeah, it just it still feels weird to not. I'm going to say I'm I, I can't wait till we get to the, you know, Harbaugh introductory press conference next week. And I accidentally type like Chargers head coach Brandon Staley or Chargers head coach <laughs> by accident. Yeah, yeah. It's going to happen or I'll say Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. But um, yeah, it, I still can't believe this happened culture reset um and this is really i think as tyler alluded to kind of like what the fan base needed to like be back in some extent um so i think it's a really great day uh for chargers football so i hope uh i hope that doesn't age poorly over the next five years of this contract but i have confidence and reason to believe it will not I I wanted to live in a parallel universe where it does age poorly, and I just see how often my handstand video gets brought up. As like, <laughs> well, you liked Harbaugh back then; you were doing handstands, but no, I think it'll age just fine. As Alex pointed out, this is really a franchise changer. We gave all our thoughts last night, but it's it is amazing that it is still it, it happened. You know, I woke up and it's almost like I went through my morning. You know, I started to get ready, and it's like, oh yeah, Jim Harbaugh is a Los Angeles Charger. He is the coach of the Chargers, and, and the more I think about it even just driving to work, driving back home from work. I don't even think anymore in like terms of the, the one year or maybe two years where like a first time head coach, it's like, okay, we're going to build from here or, you know, the quarterback second or third year and stuff like that. But yeah. Harbaugh, it's like, cause I, I was watching um, John Harbaugh's reaction, of course, when they asked him about Jim getting the job. And I was just thinking about John Harbaugh and how long he's been there and how long Andy Reid is going to be with the chiefs. And just the fact that we can think of this, I hope, in terms of decade or decades is pretty phenomenal. I haven't, haven't felt this way in a very long time. Yeah, we we kind of talked about, you know, this is one of the, the better moments for the franchise of, of our lives as fans. And, you know, certainly up there with 2018 and, and that run and the way that season went. But, um, you know, I, I had a really funny 24 hours because I, I've shared this before, but like when the Chargers lose or lose poorly, like, People will message me like, are you okay? Like checking in on me. Like, how are you doing? Like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like as if I had died or something like that. Um, coworkers will check on me. And everybody was texting me again, but like saying like, congratulations. Like, you know, people were saying, you know, expressing such positivity who have no attachment to the Chargers. Coworkers who uh, have never watched a Chargers game or coworkers who know nothing about the NFL came up to me and said like, Hey, like I heard you got a really cool coach. Like, I don't know much about it, but that sounds really awesome. So it just was, it was an interesting day to like soak everything in about how impactful this hiring is. I mean, everybody on YouTube, all the major networks, they were all talking about Jim Harbaugh to the chargers. And what does this mean for the franchise and, and how much does this put them on the map? So I think it's like, we had a proper reaction last night. Like I think a lot of times where it is, 
you know, heat of the moment, we can kind of exaggerate sometimes like general, we like as fans, not just the three of us. Um, but I think our reactions last night were legitimate. You know, this is a guy who, um, you know, Alex pointed this out. He's the only two 11 win seasons at the university of San Diego, the university of Stanford won one game before Jim Harbaugh was hired. And look at what they did in the span of three years. Look what the 49ers did in the span of four years, university of Michigan. So I think our reactions were adequate. I think they were, you know, appropriate for the the magnitude of hiring Jim Harbaugh and what this can mean for the Los Angeles Chargers as they kind of take this next step. And and Matt Money Smith was pointing this out, or I think it might have been Chris Harry. There's been kind of these like little like steps for the Chargers as they're trying to like, you know, make Los Angeles their home. And obviously you had StubHub and then you have SoFi and now you have the brand new facility and now you have Jim Harbaugh as well. And so this is just kind of the the next step. And, and hopefully it, it pans out in the way that we all want it to. Because Jim Harbaugh is here for one reason only. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He is not here to just coach this team and, and win a couple games and make him competitive. Like his goal is to win a Super Bowl. And uh, hopefully we see that come to fruition in the next few years. Yes. We'll talk about eventually how early the Chargers can contend. Uh, Chargers fans are are very very confident the Chargers will contend next year. I I don't know what else I expected the day that Jim Harbaugh was hired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a poll for what for France to say but seventeen and zero, yeah, seventeen and zero, <laughs> baby, eighteen and zero. We're winning the wild the, the bye week too. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, we'll have time to digest that. Like I said yesterday, I, the defense is going to need a lot of help, and I expect the offense to play very very well. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's get into some of these details that we were talking about. I, I think one thing that we definitely have to address today is, is the way that the Chargers were able to close this deal with Jim Harbaugh because, like we have discussed, he's had chances to make the jump back to the NFL for the last few seasons. Uh, we, we've kind of joked about that and kind of doubted his his ultimate decision because of the way that he has handled each offseason. Um Jordan Schultz, as well as Adam Schefter, pointed out that a couple of the things that really helped close this deal were that the Chargers were not only willing to match Jim Harbaugh's financial demands, but also the financial implications of hiring his staff. And I think that is definitely something that needs to be cleared up. And, and people are, are praising the Chargers for finally paying up for, for a big time coach. But the coaches around Jim Harbaugh, I think, are just as big of a deal. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest reasons why the Chargers are closing this deal is because they are willing to pay Jim Harbaugh's top guys, being Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, and Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator. Um, we'll see about Jay Harbaugh. It sounds like he's expected to come over. But the the immediate reaction of hiring Jim Harbaugh is that he's also bringing his top two guys with him in terms of the strength and conditioning coach, who is the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in college football. He makes over a million dollars per year. And Jesse Minter is one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in college football. He was making around $3 million per year. So it's not just that they're paying Jim Harbaugh. They're going to pay his top two guys, being Ben Herbert and Jesse Minter. I do expect those two individuals to be announced relatively soon and that's a huge deal to get the program that Jim Harbaugh was is wanting to do that is kind of the reason why the Minnesota Vikings and Denver Broncos were not able to seal a deal is because they were not willing to pay for the whole Jim Harbaugh experience and the Chargers are in fact willing to pay for the whole Jim Harbaugh experience and I think that should objectively make people very very excited to uh see those potential hirings come down in the next few days uh, soon here. Yeah. And I think the cachet and I guess the Rolodex of names that Jim Harbaugh can pull from that we haven't even, you know, talked about and we'll get into. And Tyler has his, you know, 20 coordinators for Jim Harbaugh video uh, that luckily, <laughs> luckily aged, aged well. well. They, it yes, aged well. aged well. They closed the deal. It's great. Um, but he truly has so many connections for the last 20 years um, of, you know, his coaching career uh, going back even to when he was playing and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think that, you know, to make a contrast, right, Brandon Staley came in here and Brandon Staley had this, you know, vision of what he wanted to build. But it was like, OK, well, who's your offensive coordinator going to be? It's like, well, 
I would like Mike McDaniel or Kevin O'Connell. Right. Got blocked on both counts, right? And had to settle for what was his fourth or fifth choice in Joe Lombardi. But Jim Harbaugh coming in here, establishing, you know, presumably Jesse Minter as his DC. Um, you know, we'll talk about offensive coordinator, but there's a whole slew of names he can pull from to uh, you know, promote and plug in there. And he's going to ultimately get the guy that he wants for offensive coordinator. And I think from that standpoint, um, that's really where I think you could make the argument the most for Jim Harbaugh over like a first time head coach and, and making this investment is, you know, he's going to pull the guys that he wants that he thinks can build the best you know football program. So that to me is like the real win and advantage here. Um, with Jim Harbaugh. Now we'll have to see how that all pans out and, and how it's all constructed. Certain offensive coordinator I wouldn't love, but uh, all that being said, I do think, again, the names and the cachet that Jim Harbaugh brings uh, specifically to this staff, potentially getting Ben Herbert here is huge too. Um, just an overall win for the Chargers uh, in that regard and puts them in a better starting position to build that infrastructure that previous Chargers head coaches have wanted to build, but just didn't have the uh ability to in terms of their you know personal connections uh or their relationships throughout the league yeah i remember last year when austin eckler middle of the season maybe was like hey we're finally working together on offense and we're like the coaches are talking to each other and each group is helping each other you know and not that you have to sit and you know help each other for every moment of practice you break into your groups i get that but this will be such an aligned group it has to be it's literally the ones that jim harbaugh wants and as Steven pointed out, there's it's expensive and there's not even negotiating. There's not even, hey, we're going to go look at some other candidates and do this and some other options at strength and conditioning coach. You know, I'm sure they've done some due diligence in case they don't want to leave Michigan or something, but there's no negotiating. It's these are the guys. This is the salary. You got to pay it. You also have to pay for the buyout to leave Michigan to begin with. So it's a, a, you know, about a hundred million dollar salary for Jim Harbaugh, for all the coaching staff who knows how much that costs. We'll see with general manager. I don't know who they're going to pick, but I guess we'll see pretty soon. They've got a $270 million new practice facility. The Chargers are spending, dude. Like They are spending a lot of money to try to position themselves to really be relevant in Los Angeles, to win, and to really not just win back the fans, but buy back the fans to a certain extent. You sure. buy it initially, you, you get the right product, and then from there, you've also got the right coach to prove that we're a sustained winner that you should spend your money to go see. Yeah, uh, it's it's the whole experience. And I think that's ultimately like the biggest thing that should be exciting for Chargers fans is that Jim Harbaugh is, is a program builder. He's not just a coach. And I think that's that's kind of like how you can really elevate your status as, as a coach in the NFL is everything else besides what happens on the practice field and on game day. So I, I found this uh, this story on um on Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, courtesy of uh, Hank Zilla on Twitter, uh, he shared it with me. And um, just like a little, you know, quick uh, tidbit from this, um, the the way that Ben Herbert, you know, builds his uh, strength and conditioning program, uh, he has this thing called key performance indicators or KPIs for short. And the whole the whole goal for every player is to increase his KPI to a point that they can perform like an elite level athlete. And, you know, I was listening, listening to um, the Joel Clapp podcast, and he was saying that Ben Herbert is the main reason why Michigan has had such great player development over the last, you know, six or seven years since Ben Herbert was hired, because he's able to take these players and essentially transform their bodies to become these play, these elite level athletes. And um, this story that um, was shared with me highlights Mike Morris, the former uh, edge rusher for Michigan who plays for the Seattle Seahawks right now, uh, when he got to Michigan, his KPI output was actually lower than Jake Moody, the kicker at Michigan. And by the end of his uh, playing career at Michigan, Mike Morris was the highest KPI scorer on the football team. So he went from lower than a kicker to the highest on the team in the span of four years. So it's just... It, it, it's the whole program. You know, everybody gets elevated in this kind of situation because of the plan that that Jim Harbaugh is going to bring in. And Ben Herbert, I think, is is a key player there. And, you know, we talked a little bit about briefly about like Trey Pipkins yesterday. Ben Herbert is going to help players reach their full athletic potential 
And these guys who have that kind of still that untapped potential here, um, you know, like a Trey Pipkins, like a Zion Johnson, maybe like an Asante Samuel Jr., maybe like a JT Woods, these kind of players. Mm -hmm. We'll see about their specific futures. But under Ben Herbert in the offseason, these guys are going to take major steps forward to becoming their best versions as NFL players. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see these kind of dark horse players who we're not expecting much of how they work into this offseason and potentially earn roles in the future. Yeah, you perfectly said with JT Woods there. I think JT Woods, Isaiah Spiller, two players that came in either very young or very much so. Like JT Woods was a track guy who played yeah. football really well too in college. <laughs> so, you know, like that is going to need some work, of course. Uh, that's exciting to hear that story in particular, a good find there. And I'm excited to see guys like, like Thule, for example, yes. being as young as he is and with the mindset that he has and what he's already done. Not that the Chargers didn't have any good staff members before, but to have the best versions of it is huge. And everything adds up. You know, so many, so much of what we've talked about um, on air, off air, whatever, is the little things just add up. The food, the diet, the training, the facility, like all these things are going to add up. The Chargers are all in financially and with the right guys in place to push themselves and max themselves out. That's the difference between you know, losing at the very end of a game and, and winning at the end of one. Yep. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'll say about like Harbaugh kind of bringing in his Michigan staff, including Ben Herbert and Jesse Minter and, and himself, Michigan does not necessarily like get the best athletes in the country, right? Mm -hmm. Like in terms of recruiting every year, right? It's dominated by Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan tends to be around like the 10th to 15th, like in recruiting. Um, and so, you know, that kind of speaks to, I guess, what Harbaugh has built over the last, you know, couple of years there in particular, where they're competing with those teams and, and, and beating them, right. And getting to the college football playoff every year has beaten Ohio state, you know, three straight times now. And so I think that that program, uh, in terms of the quality of athletes they're getting and what they're turning them into, uh, that, that speaks very well to what, you know, the three of those guys that are now presumably coming to the chargers, uh, have, have done. Uh, and so I, I would love to see that program initiated here. I would love the injuries to go down a couple percent um, every year because that gets overwhelming to yes. talk about. And um, yeah, no, I, I would just really like to see uh, an ultimate, you know, strength, you know, coach in terms of Ben Herbert being here, in terms of Harbaugh being here, where this team does have that tough physical edge to them. And then that's ultimately executed, say, on defense by somebody like Jesse Minter. Yeah, I think the whole like the whole kind of point here for me, I guess, is your job as a head coach is to build a an environment, establish an environment where your players can feel free enough to be their the best version of themselves. And for a variety of reasons, that was not happening for the Chargers over the last few years. And I think that will start happening for the Chargers going forward. And there's this social media take out there that Justin Herbert has all this pressure on him now because they hired Jim Harbaugh when in reality it's the opposite the pressure is off of his shoulders he's been carrying the weight of the franchise for the last four seasons you know this is a guy who's had to be essentially perfect every single week uh, to have the Chargers win games and now he's going to be able to have this environment where everybody's performing at their best he has a head coach who's going to give them a legitimate edge every single week on the sideline. And uh, I think that should be very exciting for Herbert, very exciting for the fan base and people who think that Justin Herbert has more pressure on him. I don't know what you're talking about. Like objectively a terrible take in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he's cracked ribs and smashed fingers <laughs> to have the 32nd <laughs> defense in EPA given to him in return. So, I mean, yeah. anything that is uh, given to him now as an upgrade should be, uh, relieving the pressures. So yeah, the individuals giving takes. Yeah. That. Yeah. So I guess it slightly depends on how you frame pressure because I could see honestly that there technically is more pressure on Justin Herbert because there's no coach excuse anymore. You have the coach at the same time, you now have the coach who can assemble the staff and put everything together to rise to that occasion. So maybe there is more pressure. Maybe there genuinely is more pressure on Justin Herbert, but he has the coach and he will have the right people around him the team around him. God forbid he gets the 20th ranked defense this year. Oh my gosh. And, and that'd be amazing, right? So he'll be able to overcome that pressure. So even if there is more pressure on him because the coach excuse is gone, 
well, Jim Harbaugh is there because he's Jim Harbaugh, and we, we love Jim Harbaugh, and he's, he's going to be great for this team. He will help Justin Herbert overcome that and rise above that. Yeah, very well said there. All right, let's let's address the uh, GM search. Uh, there were mm-hmm. a lot of things leading up to the hiring of Jim Harbaugh that people were saying Jim Harbaugh is requiring a, a certain candidate. He's going to force the Chargers to hire Ed Dodds, like whatever the case may be. Um, that doesn't sound like it's going to be the case. Um, Adam Schefter reported today uh, that Brandon Brown, the Giants assistant GM, and Joe Hortiz, the uh, Ravens president of player personnel or director of player personnel, excuse me, are the two finalists for the GM opening. Uh, those two individuals have interviewed a second time uh, with the Chargers. Presumably, Joe Hortiz, his interview is today or still going or whatever the case may be. Brandon Brown's interview was yesterday and uh, apparently bled into this morning because uh, the Chargers did not. Uh, confirmed the ending of that interview until this morning. So those are the two finalists. Tyler and I have spoke a little bit about them, but Tyler, what are your, or excuse me, Alex, what are your thoughts about the GM search kind of uh, going in the direction of Brandon Brown and Joe Hortiz here? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we originally did not know like what Brandon Brown's connections to Harbaugh were that Albert Breer kept talking about. And then we kind of learned like, oh, yeah. he was a scout from Michigan uh, during his time with both Colts and the Eagles. Um, and, you know, we found out about the Mylotta um, piece, you know, where Brandon Brown just finds these ways to kind of like look for talent uh, in areas where other people might not necessarily be looking for it. Um, and I think for him and, you know, watching him speak, that would be a, you know, really creative kind of vision for this team um, in terms of him being the general manager. Obviously, what I guess overwhelms this whole search to some extent is like, you know, this is not necessarily hiring a general manager to be, you know, like a top down GM, say, as Tom Telesco was for 11 years. You are hiring someone to be kind of a, you know, uh, obviously a forward thinking GM who, you know, scouts very well as both Joe Hortiz and and Brandon Brown have a, a history of doing over the years, but also getting someone to collaborate with Harbaugh that he ultimately is uh, comfortable working with. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of like both candidates. I think they're both really qualified. Um, I would kind of guess the Chargers would lean in the direction of Brandon Brown, who seems to have the more tangential uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of connections versus like Joe Hortiz mostly seems to kind of be through the, the John Harbaugh connection. But I think both guys are, you know, especially Joe Hortiz with the amount of experience he's had uh, with the Ravens. Is, both of, to me seem overly kind of qualified for this job. Um, so Kind of, kind of a can't go wrong situation uh, until we start talking about the day three running backs, and then of course they could go very wrong. <laughs> but um, I, I do think both of these are, you know, good candidates, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear. Maybe we will, or maybe we won't hear. Kind of what maybe went wrong with Ed Dodds or Ian Cunningham, or you know what happened with all these candidates sometime in the future. But I do think they've narrowed it down to a very qualified, you know, final two. Yeah, I think so. Um, At the end of the day, we talked about this yesterday, Stephen and I, and we sort of have through the process, whoever it is, we can't judge really how great they are as a fit based on the Wikipedia page, based on what we see in terms of as much as we can research as outside fans. There are connections, there's a a certain synergy that is just not there. It's not present in in the interviews, in the meetings, in the discussions with Harbaugh. It's just something that we cannot figure out from the outside looking in. So they know. And I think if you're talking about bringing in Herbert and bringing in, obviously, Jim Harbaugh and the staff, you know, that is all connected. So who do we have? If we have the best maximizing staff, let's say in the NFL, let's just pretend if we have the best maximizing staff, who can we go get that specifically fits our needs and fits what we can do? You know, some players like if I think um, Duke Manyweather was talking about like the Eagles or, or some other teams that have really great offensive lines that have taken like like Mylotta, for example, and develop them you can take a chance on some of the guys that are a bit more now this sounds like a headache for chargers fans who have seen some of the you know the 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 high ceiling players like a jt woods not work out but you can take a chance on those players if you have the right development you have the right staff to develop these players whereas if you don't have that you go for the some of the safer guys which isn't bad that's not bad by any means you get like a a brian branch is like a, a safe pick nothing wrong with that but if you feel like you have the right guys in place, go find me those guys so I can maximize them. 
Brandon Brown, the one thing I'll, I'll say, and I, I'm curious, it doesn't really mean anything, I guess. But Brandon Brown with the Eagles, they did have a Jalen Rager situation, as I'm sure Alex can discuss. What did they do the very following year, knowing that that maybe wasn't going to work out? They drafted Devontae Smith in the first round. So I am very curious as the draft approaches, how they view Quentin Johnston. If Brandon Brown's the GM, they have not been, not that he was the GM with the Eagles, but he, they have not been afraid over there to go, we'll just get another guy and make it work from there. Yeah, with both of these guys, I you know, the overqualification, I think, is real. I think the GM jobs are so rare in the NFL, way more rare than head coaching. I mean... <laughs> For some reason, we just saw a team hire a, a GM uh, from the Chargers to be the Raiders GM. Like it, those jobs are extremely difficult to to you know kind of make that ascent to uh, those positions, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if we'll ever hear about Ian Cunningham and Ed Dodds, but those were kind of the two guys that were initially pegged as the Harbaugh guys, and now it's Brandon Brown or Joe Horty. So it is interesting, um, you know. Daniel Popper didn't even mention either of those guys in his in his article the other day. So um, they're the two finalists. It is what it is. Well, you know, I, I think both of them have good resumes, solid resumes. I think Brandon Brown is a little bit more on the, you know, problem solving, more kind of like um, creatively finding solution things, whereas Joe Hortiz is just kind of, you know, he's been in Baltimore for a really long time. He hasn't been really able to, experience a ton of diversity experience you know um you know different environments he's just used to one way and everybody kind of makes a big deal of the harbaugh harbaugh thing but when jim harbaugh was in in san francisco there wasn't a ton of like baltimore guys that came over with him so it i think that bit is a little bit played i think you hire the best player like tyler or the best uh individual excuse me like tyler saying that is aligned with jim harbaugh um you know, and, and we'll see how that happens. I do want to point out, uh, as Victor uh, is discussing in the chat, Jordan Schultz seemed to imply today, and I don't think this has been confirmed by other individuals, but Jordan Schultz said that he was hearing that Jim Harbaugh would have final say on the 53-man roster, which isn't necessarily a surprise, um, given his, obviously, the, the role that he's bringing to this team. But... Um, no one else has really mentioned that. It, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but that obviously is noteworthy here too as we're talking about a GM candidate. I don't think, even if it hasn't been mentioned, I don't even think it needs to be. My assumption would have been that that was the case this entire time. And the Spanos family, the Chargers, already leaned towards Brandon Staley having a lot of final say in the roster, at least for sure on the defensive side. Yeah. Maybe not as much on offense, but I don't know. But certainly on defense. So it wouldn't surprise me then with Jim Harbaugh that he's got full say across the whole roster. Yeah, I, I just think it's what comes with the territory. Um, if Jim was going to leave Michigan, where he is the CEO, he would kind of want the same power in an NFL return. And back in 2014, that San Francisco thing kind of fell apart um, because of his you know, feud with Trent Baalke, who was the GM over him there in San Francisco. So yeah. I do think control over the 53-man roster and the ability to kind of construct the organization as a whole in his way, you know, considering what happened 10 years ago in the end of Jim Harbaugh's NFL tenure, I, I think that was probably very important to him uh, when he was, you know, courting the Chargers and the Falcons and all these other, you know, teams and thinking about an NFL return. Uh, I think that was probably in the back of his mind. You know, 100%. I, I think that's why it's tough for me to look at the San Francisco days. Like, everybody's kind of pointing out, like, the Niners did this in the draft, the Niners is that. We don't really know, like, how much of yeah. that was Trent Baalke, how much of that was Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, Coach and GM, they're going to collaborate, theoretically, at, at every turn in the NFL. Um, you know, I would expect no different for Jim Harbaugh and whoever the Chargers hire. But Trent Baalke is, you know, he's not a very good GM, as okay. we've seen again in Jacksonville. So, I, you know, I would love some more information there. I don't know if we'll ever get it, but um, with the Chargers now, if Jim Harbaugh has that much control, which I assume he would, you know, he's going to have a chance to really, you know, put his fingerprints in on this roster and the GM would obviously help him with that. And I think you have two candidates who have different kind of backgrounds that I, I, I think what people should be excited about. I know everybody was all excited about Ed Dodds and we probably played into that with his story uh, that Tyler shared and, 
you know, I was a big Ian Cunningham guy as well, but you know, there's just so many ways to earn a quality reputation, quality resume as, as GM candidate and Brandon Brown and Joe Ortiz, I think certainly stack up in, in high regard. Obviously they would not be finalists if they were not uh, highly yeah. thought of in the, in the league in general. What do you think happened? Because you asked me two, three weeks ago and it seemed like Dodds was the favorite and everyone's saying it's going to be Dodds. It's going to be Dodds. It's going to be Dodds. Yeah. What, what do you think happened? Or I guess as we can assume, was that just never true to begin with? Or right now, is it not even true that Brown and or Ortiz are really the two finalists? I think with Dodds specifically, like I think you want to hire, you want to give Jim Harbaugh obviously what he wants. You want to build an environment that he is comfortable with. But I think you want to be careful also with being a little bit too buddy-buddy kind of situation between him and the GM. You want to have a guy who can maybe step in when Jim is, is getting a little overzealous and, and obviously we all love his energy, but sometimes you need a guy who can, can stand up to Jim Harbaugh and make the, the proper decision as a GM. And so I think maybe the chargers were a little weary of having a guy who was directly tied to him turning into a bit of a yes, man, maybe this is pure speculation. I have no information here, but I think the relationship, the direct relationship with Harbaugh maybe might have hurt Dodds instead of helping him like some people would have assumed. But then I would think that would hurt Brandon Brown and him being so young, I almost feel like he has to be like, oh, sorry, like I'm I'm not trying to like, you know, sure, step on any toes here. I'm super young. I don't want to make that mistake. Like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. I just got here. He's what, 36 or something. He's really young. He is very young. That's, yeah, very that's young. a good point too. I don't know. Yeah, just so. speculating. But... No, it, it, no, it's great brainstorming because I, I really don't know. It really felt like it was Dodds the whole way. Sure, we're attaching it based on a connection 22 years ago or 21 years ago or whatever it was, but it's also because of the resume. Uh, still, I, I am very much so surprised. We'll see what it really ends up being. But if those two are the finalists, I get why they'd be in consideration, of course, but I, I would not have guessed over Cunningham over Dawes and some of these other candidates. But again, it's about the alignment. It's about the synergy. It's the most important. I I wouldn't have guessed Telesco over Dodds either before <laughs> 72 hours ago. So. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Raiders fans are uh, not happy about that one. No. And if Dodds doesn't end up with the Chargers, I'm wondering if the Raiders were like, oops, I guess we maybe should have waited. Yeah. Yeah. So... Things could certainly change. The Chargers could still, you know, have another interview request in here. But um, like I said, Adam Schefter reporting that those two are the finalists going forward. Um, the Chargers have scheduled a, a Jim Harbaugh press conference for midweek next week. I kind of tend to think that the GM will be hired at least over the weekend. And the Chargers can usher in a new era of GM and head coach whenever that press conference happens uh, next week. So um, I know people are not going to be as, you know, stuck to their phones about the GM notifications. They're not going to be <laughs> camping out of the Chargers facility. But I think this this pairing is obviously very, very important to see how the Chargers can kind of handle things over the next uh, five years, hopefully more for Jim Harbaugh's contract. Yeah. Do you have a favorite then between Hortiz and Brandon Brown? Uh, Alex, you want to answer that one first? Um, I'll go with, I'll go with Brandon Brown, um, just as a guy who, you know, like Steven said, kind of is involved in problem solving, uh, you know, has worked under a guy like Howie before, um, is kind of willing to take the more creative approach when it comes to things is more inexperienced than somebody like Joe Ortiz. But I do think that prior relationship with Harbaugh, you know, being built is kind of important in this. Um, and if he ultimately is the scout for talent and that's kind of his job in this, you know, and kind of to, you know, ultimately give Jim the final decisions to some extent and provide him with the most information on any draft picks or players that he can. And that's kind of, you know, his job almost in a, not quite like a Mayock Gruden way. Um, I do think that this would be more synergistic than that, but I do think you're kind of looking for someone maybe who I, I could just kind of see like Hortiz given all the experience he has maybe feeling like he should be valued a little bit more in terms of like having the final GM saying some stuff versus Brandon Brown who is uh, pretty young like Steven mentioned so 
I kind of think the fit, given the way the Chargers have restructured things, might be a little bit better with Brandon Brown. But, I mean, I really honestly don't think you can go wrong either way. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong. I Between the two, I would probably lean Brown as well. I, I think just like the diversity of experience, even though he's very, very young, um, it, I think would lend itself towards a more balanced approach from a roster management standpoint between he and Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, it's, it sounds like he's got more of a personality that can maybe balance things out as opposed to Joe Hortiz, who also is like a very intense individual by everything I could find. Um, so was Ed Dodds. Maybe that's another thing that, that played to Ed Dodds, not, not being the connection. Um, so I would lean Brown, but I'm not going to be upset if it's Joe Ortiz. I think Joe Ortiz has a really established track record in Baltimore. Um, theoretically, Joe Ortiz would also be able to like understand what kind of players Jim is looking for because he does have that experience of working with John Harbaugh. Stylistically, it's pretty similar. So I, I don't think you can go wrong either way, but I think my approach would be to have a more balanced duo between he and Brandon Brown. Yeah, and I, I mean, both of these candidates ultimately come from backgrounds where they're willing to try different things, you know, um, and, and different approaches. The Ravens have traded up and down the draft board and have done everything. Um, obviously, Brandon Brown is time both the Colts and the Eagles, uh, you know, kind of exhibiting both of those organizations, exhibiting different approaches at different times. Um, I, I think the Chargers ultimately just kind of need someone who is willing to be more unconventional than Telesco, which shouldn't be that hard to do. But um, I, I do kind of ultimately think that's, you know, what the Chargers, you know, need in this GM search. And presumably they are getting that with, a, you know, whoever it is, Hortiz or Brown with plenty of, you know, scouting experience on top of that. It really just depends what you want here, what you need with Hortiz. Like, I think the Ravens, granted, it's not like each of these guys is the general manager, but the Ravens have drafted much better over the course of Brandon Brown's career than Brandon Brown's teams when he was with those teams. Definitely did not love going through that draft history and ensuing, seeing who like the Colts had grabbed. The Eagles really up until 2021. The Giants have you know turned things around, but it hasn't been great. And even picks um, like an Evan Neal haven't panned out. I, you would think they would, but they just haven't. Um, so in terms of drafting, it's Hortiz all the way. But if you want more... You know, as we talked about with Tej Seth, if you want someone who's got more hands and more things and has done more things and understand things that are less random, you know, Arjun's graph, I was looking for this while you guys were talking, Arjun's graph, the number one team in terms of drafting over the last like 11 years is only 57th percentile as like their draft outcome. Like that was yeah. the best team was 57th percentile. Yeah. So if you want, you need to also find somebody who understands the rest of the things that are actually controllable. As Tej said, that's why I had, I think both of us had, for the most part, assistant GM over some of these guys that weren't involved with more things. So, right. But it's in, either way, the Chargers luck out here because it's not like this person is the guy in charge and it's another young head coach and a first-time head coach. Jim Harbaugh will fill out the rest of that department, as we talked about with Jeff Diamond. It's also important to find staff members who will you know, be good at what you are not or have been good at what you are not. Right. The Chargers will be able to add that and pay for that. So I think you're good either way. As long as you assemble the right staff to supplement whatever is, I guess, lost because of a weakness this other candidate might have, we're good. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, last thing on the GM search that I, I think we need to discuss here is kind of you hire the GM, right? But you have all these other pieces in place like a JoJo Wooden, like an Ed McGuire. Any expectation for you guys that this is maybe a, a short-term change in the front office structure as well? Or do you think that change happens later down the road? Hmm. I mean, I, I'd imagine it, it all changes. I'd imagine most faces are going to be different. That's just the nature of what happened with Jim Harbaugh. The good news is he's bringing in all his guys. The bad news is everybody else has to leave. So I, I do think it is a a change that happens there. I guess do the Raiders have an infrastructure set up already? With they, is Telesco the only change that has been announced and made over there? Yeah, because if they're keeping if, Champ Kelly in his assistant okay. GM role, I don't know if they're changing other things like you know yeah. player personnel or whatever. But so far, it's just been Telesco. 
Yeah, I mean, Ed McGuire's done a great job with the Chargers, so I understand if they'd keep him, but it just feels like they are... Jim Harper's bringing everybody else, and you know, I think Brandon Brown would want to bring his own guys, too. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, given the recent history of Chargers Raiders, that Ed McGuire, unfortunately, would uh, walk over to the dark side, uh, given, you know, kind of what we know. Yeah, that's totally fair. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Um, All right, let's spend a little bit of time here about the offensive coordinator position for the Chargers before we wrap up today's show. Uh, Kellen Moore described as former Chargers offensive coordinator today by Jeremy Fowler. Uh, is going to interview with Alex's Eagles. He's all going to interview in several other places as well. Um, obviously, him being described as former is probably a little jumping the gun by Jeremy Fowler. Um, I don't believe anything official has happened there. Um, but it, you know, the Chargers blocked him initially from the Bears interview until they could officially hire their coach. Now that they have, they're letting him interview elsewhere, at least two places that uh, have been confirmed. So, uh, the Chargers will be looking for a new offensive coordinator, which, again, is not a surprise here. Um, Tyler did a video a couple, uh, not a couple weeks ago, last week, about potential offensive coordinators here. So, Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, how much stock are you putting into the Greg Roman rumor? Uh, and if not Greg Roman, who's maybe a choice that you prefer instead? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of put a lot of stock into the Greg Roman rumor considering it was also tied to Jesse Minter and tied to, you know, all the other kind of considerations that Harbaugh wants. Now we don't really know about like Jay Harbaugh as of now, whether that's going to be him as special teams coordinator or him in another type of role. Um, But Roman kind of based on Harbaugh's history would make sense uh, on paper. And like, he's, he's probably the betting favorite. Um, and if that were to be the case, I I just I think Greg Roman, to his credit, like is very good at bringing along like younger quarterbacks, as we've seen with Andrew Luck and Colin Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson and the work he did with them 
early on, but just his ability to elevate, you know, a quarterback, you know, past that point. I just don't really see that being the case. I don't love the fit with Justin Herbert. Um, I don't want to have Justin Herbert, a bunch of, you know, uh, QB reads, <laughs> just have him <laughs> running all, all over the place as a weapon. Uh, I mean, use his legs a little bit more, but not that much. Um, so I don't know. I just, to me, the Greg Roman offense, and really it's kind of evidenced by what Munkin is doing in Baltimore now. Like, you know, I just saw that tweet from Hayden Winks today and it looked like it while I was watching the Houston game where it's like, you know, Munkin's using six different personnel groupings and he's using them about evenly to just counteract whatever DeVico was throwing at him on the Texans. And it's like, that's not what Greg Roman was doing there in Baltimore, you know, back about a year ago. Um, and so, yeah, I just think the diversity in the scheme uh, to me, that is just I don't think he's really a fit for this job and what we as fans I guess and what we ultimately envision like the Jim Harbaugh Herbert pairing being I just don't think Roman to me is that guy um as far as like other suggestions I think Tyler brought up a couple in this video but Tanner Engstrand based off of you know what Ben Johnson has kind of done in Detroit and the ability to you know he's had the chance to sit behind him for a while now is you know more inexperienced than Greg Roman but like to me that's kind of what I really want to see out of this offense is leveraging different players, you know, putting them in positions to win. Um, I just put Greg Roman as run game coordinator and I'm fine mm. with it. Him as OC is a little bit less appealing, not saying it can't work um, because we've, we've seen um, that offense kind of work with the Niners. But to me, you know, different ball game nowadays compared to what it yep. was 10 years ago. You have a different quarterback. I think Harbaugh could make it work with Roman. Um, but to me, I just think the situation calls for something different. And it's not like Staley Lombardi where it's like, okay, well, the defensive guy gets his coach. Then it's like, and it's a dud, then it's a dud. Right. And so with Harbaugh, I do think the impact of like a bad or meh OC is kind of like lessened with his offensive approach. Mm -hmm. But still, like, I just think there's better, more inventive voices, as Tyler detailed some in his video. Also, in addition to Angstrand, that just, like, make Roman less appealing. I really like these points from from Dennis and from Todd here that John Harbaugh just fired Greg Roman. So <laughs> would you, after going through that, and I've probably talked to your brother, work back together after yeah. so many years? It has been a very, very long time, as Alex said. Things are very different, and it's just a different quarterback as well. And I'll, I'll go through Arjun's stats real quick. Not that it's a bad thing to be a rushing football team necessarily, but uh, the 49ers under Harbaugh with the 49ers, again, very long ago, but fifth lowest pass rate over expected, only one year ranking top 10 in EPA per play, and only two of those years were they top 10 in EPA per dropback. Now, the obvious difference, and everyone called it Arjun and Hater for this, assuming he didn't understand this, the difference is you have Justin Herbert. So your offense will probably be better than one with Colin Kaepernick, Potentially, I assume it was. I, I hope it will be. I think Greg Roman joining the staff is a 100% guarantee. The difference is I will not say he will 100% be an offensive coordinator. As people are mentioning, run game coordinator, offensive line, whatever. It just, I really don't think he'll be added to the staff as the offensive coordinator. He could be very much so involved with the offense. He could be the associate assistant head coach, whatever you want to call it. Um, and be very involved with the offense. I just do not think he will be the offensive coordinator. And if he is, I hope they have a very, very strong plan for who the pass game coordinator is. Yeah, yeah. I think you can make things work with Greg Roman calling plays if you do have that strong pass game coordinator. Um, you know, it, it would be tough to really find that guy. You'd have to pull from a quarterbacks coach somewhere else maybe like a Ryan Greasy or something like that would, would be willing to come over um, just off the top of my head. But you obviously have Pep, Ham Pep Hamilton could be the quarterback's coach too. But I, I think Jim Harbaugh and Dan Jeremiah pointing this out, like he's going to have pull. I mean, these coaches are going to want to be the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert too. Like I, I don't, don't think that you have to settle for Greg Roman just because he was your guy at at the san francisco san francisco 49ers and at stanford um i think you're going to have options here for, for guys who want to be the coach the offensive coordinator of the chargers because 
it's going to be a position that could really propel you to your own future head coach role. You know, coaching under Jim Harbaugh, coaching Justin Herbert is an opportunity that can really lend itself towards, you know, propelling your career. So I think Harbaugh will be able to have his choice of, of who the best potential coordinators are out there. I mean, there's been a ton of, you know, turnover at the offensive coordinator position in the NFL right now. There's a lot of quality candidates out there. Tanner Angstrand, obviously, we've talked about. Drew Terrell, the passing game coordinator at the Arizona Cardinals, who played for him uh, at Stanford and coached under him at Michigan, would be, you know, another quality choice. Because I, I think you, you want to have a guy who majors in the pass game. Like, I know Jim Harbaugh yeah. played quarterback, but really his offense is, like, the thing they've always done the best is run the football. Like, it, it, it's it's such a diverse, powerful running game, and that's carried with him everywhere. I have full confidence that they can get the run game right regardless. I think you want somebody who's been in the NFL to be your offensive coordinator that has a strong emphasis in the passing game, whether that's a wide receiver background, a quarterback background, passing game coordinator, whatever the case may be. I think you want that balance, again, of somebody who's been here in the NFL for quite some time to be able to kind of elevate the passing game while Jim Harbaugh and maybe Greg Roman elevate the run game for the Chargers going forward. Yeah, just going through some names. People have already mentioned these, but Ronald Curry, Saints pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach. He was Jim yeah. Harbaugh's uh, quarterback uh, back way back when, and the 49ers assistant. Uh, I'm still not ruling out a McDaniels. I believe it's Ben McDaniels, who was current Texans pass game coordinator, wide receivers coach, which I think is low key underrated because that's wide receivers are doing great, pass game look great. Well, that's very much so a Bobby Slowick thing. I'll take that McDaniel's over the other one. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, no, that's a that's an easy one for me. There's also the uh, other Vrabel, if you will, who's been the Packers wide receiver coach. Uh, he's not directly tied to Harbaugh, to my knowledge. Oh God, if they if they hired him as offensive coordinator, I, I'm doing like all kinds of bets. More handstands. What's what's the next step beyond a handstand? Oh, if they win the Super Bowl, let's say I'm doing a backflip. I, I got to push this <laughs> way back, and I'm doing a backflip. If I hit the ground and I'm on up in five seconds, call nine one one. all right sounds good so i believe that's everything we wanted to uh discuss tonight alex uh it's been great having you back on the podcast man any uh final thoughts before we head out yeah um who's got it better than us i i hope that it's uh hope that that's not craig roman who i I don't want to have (laughs) i don't want him to have it better than us as oc put him as run game coordinator or something but um yeah i think uh Ultimately, like, I really think this Jim Harbaugh thing will work. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, in building his staff, it is kind of accentuated towards Justin Herbert and kind of acknowledging the things that Harbaugh has done well over the last 10, 20 years, but also kind of modernizing the approach. So, uh, you know, really excited, really hope it works out and uh, happy to be back on as always. Yeah, good stuff, man. OK, everybody calm down. I'm not doing the pommel horse. Stay in shape, NSN. <laughs> I ain't doing no pommel horse. I was bad at that anyway. I You're in plenty good shape. What's a what's a not pommel gym. horse? Um, is that a gymnastic it's a, thing? How do I even describe it? Have you watched men's gymnastics ever? Is that I the little one where you're like swing with just your arms only? Yeah. It's oh, like it's a, like it's like the the gym beam. No, that, well, okay. calm down. That's it's very like a, different. <laughs> Calm down. I don't know. It looks like a beam to me. The thing that people are in. in the New beam York is like right? this wide. The pommel horse is like an actual, like, I don't know, a horse. Why are we ending the show with this? <laughs> I don't I don't know. This is usually how like the Saturday shows end, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever did you do that growing up? Gymnastics or the pommel no, no, horse? Like the pommel horse. Yeah, that was that was one of our events. That was my worst one because I was always younger than everyone because I kept moving up. So I didn't have like the upper body strength at the time. And it's, mm. it's so difficult now for kids that they actually removed that from uh, like the younger kids having to do mm. it. So the only reason I didn't win regionals is because the mother effing pommel horse, which is now banned until a certain age. So there, there's my gymnastics uh, yeah. tangent. For I mean, I don't know. I, right. I just, I never, I never knew it was called that. So, I mean, I've watched the Olympics before, obviously with the, uh, 
Jonathan Owen's wife and, you know, uh, <laughs> Gabby Douglas and, you know, those people. But I, I never knew that it was uh, never knew it was called that. <laughs> Tyler, you understand. Also, that, women right? don't do pommel horse, by the way. Yeah, so. They don't? No, they I don't. Just, do I just thought horse. I just thought they would. Do, they also did the beam thing. I don't know. They do. Beam, Women don't do, do the rings either, do they? No, they do the uneven oh, bars, floor right. vault, and uh, wow. beam bounce beam. I I went to a few Utah gymnastics meets. I should I should know that. Um, Damn, but. you know, honestly, I haven't watched the Olympics in a couple of years because because of, of COVID and everything. So uh, it's it's been it's been a while since I watched it. I don't oh, even. Yo. What? When was the last Olympics even? The next one is this year, bud. <laughs> Didn't even know that was a thing. In Paris. Is Los Angeles, right? Uh yeah. So World Cup World Cup is 2026 in LA and then the Olympics in 2028. Fun stuff. I I, I couldn't even tell you where the Olympics was two years ago. <laughs> Four years ago. And wasn't no, it Tokyo? Two, two, two years ago would have been the winter one, right? Yeah, so four and would be the last. They one. did they did the Olympics in 2021 because it was oh, supposed sure, to be 2020. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, I, pretty yeah, sure. I don't, don't even remember where that was. Yeah, well, let's just talk about the Olympics until we get to 300 live viewers. Let's just see how long it takes us to get to, <laughs> to lose 150 people. Okay, well we do have a super chat. I don't know if we want to address the super chat. I think we should. I okay, think we should. okay. Uh, all right, this is from Kevin Easton from earlier. Thank you for all the great pods. Uh, seeing how John Spanos will likely be less involved, is this a chance for him to learn from Harbaugh, or will he begin to do more of the owner responsibilities? Yeah. Um... Daniel Popper kind of talked about this in my interview with him, but he seemed to believe that uh, John Spanos is kind of transitioning to being in more of an owner role anyway. Um, so this is obviously I did that interview before we knew that Jim Harbaugh was going to be the head coach. Um, but I, I do think that this is kind of the transition towards that. Obviously Dean Spanos obviously getting older as well. So I do think that you know, Harbaugh taking over more of the day-to-day responsibilities is is probably the chance for, uh, you know, John Spanos to kind of transition into that role. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, Dean is uh, seventy-three. He's pushing seventy-four mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was that old, but um, obviously this is a natural transition for John, who seems to be kind of the next in line to potential ownership. Um, also, as an aside here. Alex, is, I didn't know this, but Alex Spanos had two sons who played for Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. Hmm. I didn't know that at all either until I, yesterday or whatever. Yeah, hmm. Thomas Martinez, I don't know if he's in the chat here. He pointed that out that he had two sons who played there. I don't know if they were like prominent players or not. Um, but yeah, I thought that was thought that was interesting. So I think this is, you know, obviously there's a lot of things out there that you could talk about the Spanos family, but um Randy Mueller, who writes for The Athletic now, worked for the Chargers for 10 years, uh, talked about the Spanos family being very hands-off. They're not a a family of ownership group that tends to meddle like some of the other ownership groups in there. So I think that part has always been overstated. Um, At the end of the day, though, this this is going to be Jim Harbaugh's team. Like He's the one who's going to have the most power. He's the one who's going to have the most say in everything. And... um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, the the Spanos family is very involved from a business side of things, from a marketing side of things. But football is going to be Jim Harbaugh and whoever the GM is going forward. And I think that's how it's been, in my opinion, for the entirety of the Spanos tenure. Yeah. What a nice setup. If, if the transition is, is truly starting to happen right now, awesome that Jim Harbaugh is your coach. Side note, I... The Venn diagram of my wife wanting to watch Succession and me watching Succession finally, like overlapped so i'm finally watching succession so this there you is like go. a perfect perfect synergy right here yeah i uh i have not seen succession i won a ton of things but uh i have not started that one it yet. deserves it i think i watched the first episode on a plane because it was free i haven't I, <laughs> do I you ever watch that. something on a big screen dude like i feel like <laughs> <laughs> honestly no i think the last movie i watched was definitely on a plane yeah like, oh, Avengers: Infinity War was okay on my phone. Like, yeah, yeah I watched it on. I, I watched it on my. I watched yeah. it on my, my Motorola Razor. <laughs> Dude, I actually watched God. Blackberry on the plane. That was a good movie. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, Brooke and I went and saw Oppenheimer in IMAX, and it was Brooke's first time ever watching a movie in an IMAX theater. 
Mm. Oh wow! And now she like won't watch movies outside of IMAX. <laughs> so I agree, dude. Uh, it just it's it's life changing, man. It really, Oppenheimer is. is one of like the three movies every two years I actually did go to the movie theater for. Um, so wow. yeah, that was that was there that was go. a fun that was a fun watch. I made the made the commitment there. Although I watched it, it wasn't in IMAX. It was just in a movie theater in Antigua, and like the sound quality was very good. But it just there was this one part of the screen that had like a brown line going down it. So I don't know. It wasn't it was it wasn't the greatest experience, but you know, better than the phone viewings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I could see you just sitting there, and it starts like pouring in rain, and, like birds start flying through your theater, and like popcorn. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember a lot. The first time I saw IMAX, I think was Return of the King, and it is very difficult to go back. Yeah, um, until you have to pay. It's fun when your parents pay for things, but when you have to yeah. start paying for things, it's yes. like, well, okay, I'll can't do things. IMAX for everything. <laughs> no, no, like I didn't need to see like Barbie and an IMAX by any no. means, although yeah. it was very good. Yeah, very good um next imax movie i'd have to think about but i think they're putting oppenheimer back in imax and i was like mm, might go watch that again i have not i couldn't it. even tell you what movies are coming out i'm so out of the loop i don't, I don't know i mean you do live in a different country <laughs> i don't know yeah we, we actually don't get like ads on youtube or anything so yeah so i don't i don't even see like the coming attractions for movies unless i search them out Sounds good. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us uh, tonight. We uh, will be covering the GM search and everything like that next week, diving more specifically into other candidates. And I'm sure that the excuse me as I hit my computer there, um, I'm sure the coaching staff hires will will start to happen over the next few days as well. Uh, before we end, who's got it better than us? Not the Raiders. <laughs> buddy very well done tyler very well done all right you guys uh appreciate everybody for tuning in we'll see you next time as always bolt up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.